We see it as our mission to facilitate and support dialogue across disciplines and between various stakeholders. That's the essence of the bridge over, to read across different disciplines and be able to have a conversation. Through a series of podcasts, we, meaning Pablo, Mika, and Enaken, are setting the scene for an engagement to listen to the diverse views, facilitating respectful conversation, and support global and domestic cybersecurity efforts. We hope that you find these podcasts not only fun, but useful in your endeavors. Today, we're going to talk about data and decision-making. More and more, we want to take decisions that are supported with good data. So we have to think about, first, the amount of data that we can gather, but not only. The challenge is, as well, to find the right amount that we're able to process. We cannot process all data. Uh, We only have a limited processing capability. So where's the limit? We're used to say, the more data, the better quality of decisions that we will be making. But sometimes we don't pay attention about the sources of the data and how as more diverse the data inputs are, the more chances are the decisions are more impactful in the sense that they are able to have wider benefits and or avoid unintended consequences due to data biases or data neglect. So with this introduction, we're having a conversation with Anakin and Mika about data and dignity in the context of decision-making. Anakin, what in your view are elements that make a good decision? Let's use as an example, let's talk in the context of responsible state behavior in cyberspace. What data elements would you consider as the ones needed to make good normative decisions in cyberspace? Thank you, Pablo. It's a, it's a very uh, it's a very important question. It's also a very challenging question because we often think that uh, to to make normative decisions, you you basically just adopt, have to adopt the norm. So you have to know the sentence, and you 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 just have to turn it into into a law. But um, as a matter of fact, if we talk about normative processes, it's really important to understand why such a norm or or this uh, uh, normative uh, move is needed in the first place. So it starts with understanding the root causes of the situations that we want to improve or or or, or change. So in cyber context, uh, many cyber incidents actually result from broader tensions between states that are not cyber specific. So the causes and then the enablers, like what enables uh, a specific type of incidents or a specific incidence on a specific target. So um, let's, for example, take this uh, idea or the norm recommendation that we need to do a better job uh, protecting critical infrastructure. Well, it it now directly depends on whether the problem that uh, allows these operations to be successful is, for example, that there are poor security practices on, on those uh, critical infrastructure 
enterprises, or maybe because their uh, operational protocols are widely known, or because there is a openly known flaw in their system. So, so there you you have to know the enabling uh, factors, and then of course you you need to also know which priorities you how you how you prioritize your your national or organizational cybersecurity uh, goals and values to then understand which norm normative approach which uh, rules you you need to instate so so i would say that it's not so important uh, or not only important to know which normative processes are currently up there out there and which norms are being sold so to say but which and why and how you can um, adopt and accept for your purposes so there is uh data sources and data prioritization uh, in order to take decisions about uh, norms and uh, other uh, types of behavior? Well, I would even say that uh, it is the big picture and details at the same time. And I think that's what makes this uh, both decision-making and 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 normative processes in, in cybersecurity so difficult that, that there is a huge amount of nuances, but then there's also this bigger picture that don't easily fit in one discipline. So you need several people to see the whole situation. So the fact that knowledge from data gathering is just one, but not all, and not even the most of the determinants for a decision. Mika, is this a good thing or just a matter of life and we need to live with decisions that are not correlated to data? Well, Pablo, I don't necessarily believe uh, that the data automatically corresponds to knowledge. I, I, I regard data as, uh, as elements of, uh, of, of, of knowledge, but there, there needs to be something, something more. I, I, from my perspective, I would call that the human touch, that uh, we we put our values, we put our experience, uh, right or wrong, we put them into in in on on top of data, and then we have our our, our knowledge. It's 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 limited, but uh, it is the best best we can get. Now comes what comes to this relationship between data and decision making, the quality of it. Uh, I don't. I don't believe that the, the relationship is a, is a linear, a positively linear either. I, 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 I regard this relationship between amount of data and the quality of decision making perhaps rather to, to be in the form of a bell curve. That uh, yes, without any data, decision making is uh, perhaps uh, best uh, based on guessing. But then the more we get in, at least uh, smaller amounts, the better, better perhaps the quality of decision making comes. But some at some particular moment, uh, which we cannot define before, perhaps uh, too much uh, information, too much data starts to mess our 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 knowledge and uh, comprehension and ability to make 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 decisions. Annika, you have referred before about data and dignity. What do you mean by by that? How does dignity fit in this discussion? 
Well, I would link it directly to what Mika said, this uh, question of uh, when does information become too much and too little? Uh, and then also to your earlier question about norms, because one of the norms that uh, has been suggested uh, by the UN experts is to uh, think hard about how we provide human rights both offline and online. And uh, and these, these rights, uh, for example, freedom of information, freedom of expression, privacy, human security for that matter, between those human rights forms this right of uh, informational self-determination. And the whole idea there is that people make informed decisions about uh, their own um, activities, circumstances, their relationship with other people, with the world, with corporations. And, and that's that's directly dependent on uh, both the quality and quantity of information out there. So it often makes me think about, uh, for example, fake news, not so much as a political issue alone or, or a government uh, governance uh, quality issue, but a simple issue of human rights, meaning like what, how can we rely on the information that both our governments are, are pushing and uh, corporations are pushing and make uh, truly informed decisions? So what instances are there to, to make sure that people can make dignified uh, decisions about, um, about their life, about uh, social uh, and other affairs? So it's, um, it's almost this question that I, I would be less concerned with it if we if we were completely voluntarily using ICTs and uh, it would be up to everyone to, to assess the risk whenever they buy a computer, even decide whether they need a computer or, or a phone after all, a smartphone after all. But if you look what's happening around the world, people have basically become not just dependent, but forced to use these devices recently to, to keep functioning. And that makes it more and more, for me, uh, uh, not outright human rights issue. In the last few months, we have been discussing and building the concept of the bridge over. And basically, it's about the need to find ways for a multidisciplinary dialogue, as this one, to be effective. And when we say effective, I think we're obviously talking about decision-making. So the question is, Data seems more or less straightforward, although you say, Mika, that it, it is not a, a straight line, but more like a bell curve. And, and the political processes are also very messy. So do you think that eventually the human touch, the political mess, and the bell curve of data can be considered as sources that can be visualized, that can be analyzed, that can be processed in a way that uh, we can produce better decisions in terms of its quality, in terms of its dignity, in terms of its impact to humans. Well, that is what, uh, what uh, business and uh, leadership uh, management uh, gurus have been trying to sell us for for many decades with the uh, traffic lights and 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 uh, and uh, 
specific criteria as number num, number crunching. Perhaps eventually we can get there, but we are not not yet there. We as uh, as as human beings and our 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 dear artifacts, the computers and uh, the whole uh, uh, big data, artificial intelligence, machine machine learning, it's, it's, it's not there. I don't believe that this messiness of political decision making can, can yet perhaps never be reduced to, to algor- algorithms. That would also undermine democracy because in democracy, which is the best best model that we have so far created, even less informed people are entitled to participate in, in, in decision making. So the ultimate question is, how can we code values in, how can we code critical thinking in, how can we code other views in, if we are coding one or, or particular view, views in. So we are not, not there and I don't necessarily think that it it would be an ideal world either if uh, if decision making can be reduced to algorithms or the more data the better uh, kind of a thinking final comments anakin some views about data and dignity listen i i just uh, like building now on this uh, idea of this uh, the bridge over that we've been discussing i i just thought that i i really would would, I'm, I'm really missing a type of conversation or, or, or an event or, or just a, uh, a thinking where we would be able to simultaneously track and address these different dimensions of cybersecurity decision making, which is international government level or national level, organizational level and, and human level. And now to, to translate it into something that, that um, maybe is easy, easier to understand for everybody is that to include meaningfully all the stakeholders, international organizations in their respective roles, different government tiers, not just the one that is driving cybersecurity often in one country, or then all kinds of organizations, even in the private sector, it, it's a thousand different ways in which private sector operates, small businesses and enterprises, big enterprises and NGOs. And then finally, not, not least, uh, people, people of very different circumstances and realities. So that's what we need to achieve to me instead of or or in in parallel to thinking about how much data or 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 where do we get this data for from but how do we action it uh, with these different layers and dimensions in mind and that would be another uh, added value of of uh, preaching over not not having at this uh, echo chamber or or discussions within uh, within our comfortable bubbles but to but to bridge over to other other bubbles so that uh, we can fertilize our, our our thinking and our our knowledge let's close there this uh, episode of the bridge over podcast 